The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. While many of the people here have some form of mental health training, they are not your mental health professional. This podcast is not a replacement for mental or physical care or for the diagnosis of any mental health illness or condition. I started watching this like absolutely a horrible show on Netflix. One of those that you would never watch unless you had Tiger King. No, I was just oh, going to say it. totally watched Tiger King. <laughs> I, I like binged the entire thing. <laughs> it's all Carol Baskin's fault. Oh, I'm sorry. oh Carol Baskin. <laughs> the only thing that unites the country right now. I, wo- uh, I, I walk on to the, I walk on to my hospital unit and that's the first thing I say. Hello, all you cool cats and kittens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be fired soon, but not because of poor performance. Hello, and thank you for joining us once again for the Guardians MH podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Goku, and tonight uh, I, we have Joe. How we doing? Nate. How's it? Alan. Uh, and Matt. Hey, hey. If you're joining us for the first time, Guardians MH is a 501c3 nonprofit focused on promoting mental health awareness throughout the gaming community and being a first step assisting individuals with gathering meaningful resources in a safe and inclusive atmosphere. Our podcast is another way to normalize talking about mental health and is a fusion of mental health topics and gaming. So tonight we have the honor of having our guest, uh, Dr. Susanna Harris. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm still getting used to the, the term doctor, but uh, it's <laughs> a while, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually, I got the PhD in microbiology um, almost a month now ago. Congratulations. Oh, Congrats. so it's it's wow. fresh here. So you really are getting acclimated to being called doctor. Yeah, well, and you know, that combined with the fact that I'm seeing like three people a week, it, it takes a little <laughs> while to settle in. Well, congratulations. That's a huge accomplishment. Well, thank Absolutely. you. And thank you so much for for inviting me on. Thank you for coming on with us. It's such an honor for us actually. Uh I I think I speak for all of us where we can you know we can't thank you enough for coming on it's just such an an honor to uh have you on and talking to us and uh tell us a little bit about the organization that you helped found uh you feel like diving into a little bit tell us a little bit about yourself and uh about phd balance yeah absolutely so uh Taking it back a little bit, I, I just finished grad school. It took about five and a half, almost six years. Um, and a few years into it, uh, about my third year of grad school, I ended up in a really bad place. I, I felt like I didn't belong anywhere. I um, really didn't have a lot of close friends. And that was partially because I had been isolating myself, um, really struggling in my research. Uh, and it, it got to a really dark place for me. And, and I talk more openly about that other places and, and we can go in into it as well. But basically, I felt really alone in that. And thankfully, I had uh, a therapist at the time and kind of worked through some of the things and, and sure enough, things did get better. Um, and 
basically the the next year, what was really important is that there was this paper that came out in a in a really big research journal called Nature Biotechnology. But basically, it's mostly skewed towards research scientists, and it showed that around 40% of graduate students were dealing with signs and symptoms of severe anxiety or depression. And I, I read that stat and I first of all felt like, oh, I wish I, I wish I had known that. I wish that I had known that I could have actually turned to other people and had said, I'm really struggling. I can't get out of bed today. I, I, I just don't feel like I belong here. Um, and then the other piece was that looking around at the people I was with, I said, well, there's no way that this 40% is represented in, in my group of people. So basically, PhD Balance started just as an Instagram page to put up pictures of what we see in everyday life in academia, in grad school, which is like very smiling, successful people, and then have their more real story at the bottom. Uh, and it's been about two years. And since then, we've expanded to different platforms and have gotten to do some speaking events and things like that. That's fantastic. I just learned about PhD balance not long ago, and I wish I had it during grad school. Because oh, grad school yeah. is grueling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's honestly my favorite thing to hear. And you might be surprised at how often I hear that. And most people who work on my team with me, that's essentially why they do it is they say, you know, I wish that this had existed a couple of years ago, or um, yeah, that they wish that they had gotten these messages earlier on when they really needed to hear them. And so they're kind of, you know, similar to what all of you were talking about of just kind of paying it paying it forward or paying it back however you want to see it. I, I remember I the, oh, the sorry, video but... that was on uh, that you posted not, uh, not long ago, but I think it's, it's an older one on the, the Monty uh, mm-hmm. video mm-hmm. that really resonated home in terms of having gone through that difficult time. Uh, mm-hmm. Grad school for me wasn't an easy time either. I hit a roadblock within my first year and really struggled. And mm-hmm. it, it took everything just to kind of get through. Mm-hmm. And it, again, that really resonated. And it's something that I feel so many people struggle with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I distinctly remember uh, a, a few breakdowns in uh when i was in nyu getting my masters and uh just the the stress of it all um working full-time doing an internship part-time going three days a week to to classes multiple in a day it's it's i i the way that i put it once was uh i really did put blood sweat and tears into into my into my college degrees (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh yeah absolutely i mean it's it's sort of a bizarre time. And, and I think now more than ever, we're learning what isolation and what not knowing what your future looks like and not having very good guidance, like what that does to people, no matter how strong or successful they are or anything like that. Um, it's It can be a really lonely time. And it, the more you talk about it, the more the stories come out, which is, is quite interesting. Because you don't really hear the stories of what's behind grad school when you're applying to grad school you hear oh it's going to be hard work but you don't necessarily understand how much mm-hmm. and how much is really it's really going to take out of you mm-hmm. uh, 
the thing I say to a lot of my clients and a lot of my students at, at the university is before grad school, I did not drink coffee. Now, <laughs> give me my coffee in the morning. Wow, that's interesting. I've heard this a few times. <laughs> yeah. I, I distinctly remember my, my drink at Starbucks was always just a large iced coffee. As I went through three years of NYU, it went to, okay, one shot of espresso in the coffee. And the next year, two shots of espresso in the coffee and so on and so forth. Because I needed something to keep me awake, to keep me going when I only got maybe like three hours of sleep. And hence my coffee addiction. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, it's, it's really true. And I think that was the other piece of of that paper coming out that I I found out as I went along um, and started learning just more about the topic as I went. Uh, But one of the, one of the, (laughs) I'm sort of fueled by, I want people to feel good. I want, um, you know, that people should not feel lonely and should not feel embarrassed by this stuff. Um, But one of the other things that really keeps me going is just sort of like slow burning rage uh, at a lot of the (laughs) systems in place. And, you know, uh, Dr. Goku, what you were talking about there, like you're not told this when you get into grad school. Uh, When this paper came out, I was like, oh man, I wish that this this data had existed for a lot longer. And it turns out we've known these things for decades. Um, Usually the numbers range between like 18 and 35% of grad students are dealing at any given time with really big signs of mental illness. Um, and, and the fact that, you know, around 30% and that's at any time, why is that not the headline of the orientation? There's one thing I talk to a lot of my students um, in, in my practice is not the ones in graduate school. Uh, most of the students I see are in undergrad that most students aren't living a very healthy life. They're not sleeping they're not drinking enough water, they're not eating good food, they're socializing sometimes too much, sometimes not enough. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get better in grad school. Grad school's kind of lighting a match on an already burning gasoline fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, to, I guess even just more presently, I, I have a lot of clients right now, very similarly, both in undergrad and, and, and graduate, whose sleeps, sleep cycles have gone completely haywire because of everything going on with either isolation um, or just online classes have completely just skewed everything for them where somebody is now just going to bed at four o'clock in, in the morning because their class doesn't start until two in the afternoon mm. or three in the afternoon now. So it, it's everything has kind of just been a little screwed out up. Of whack. Everything is completely out of whack. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, um, it's, I don't know. I'm worried about it. Um, you know, I posted that, that video that you're mentioning. So, um, the, the really hard time was for me, May, 2017 and May is always kind of uh, a tricky time. Um, something that I put up in that post when I, when I tweeted that uh, video again was that, um, in this order, it's usually, what is it? May, June, April are the highest months for suicide in uh, the Northern Hemisphere. So we don't, I mean, y'all know much more about me uh, than in terms of like why this might be the case, but we do know it's already a rough time of year. We also know that 
what people are going through right now is no one, no one knows how to deal with it. We know a lot of ways to not deal with it, but um, I think really now more than ever, we have to use whatever uh, communication platforms we can to, to give people the, the space to even come forward and say like, Hey, I'm not really doing that well today, or I haven't been sleeping right and not feel like everyone's going to shoot them down and be like, well, you should sleep better. Go on. Um, right. <laughs> couldn't agree with you more. That is, you nailed it right there. And I think one thing that happens is the older graduate students or professors that did go through those blood, sweat, and tears have that mentality of, I suffered through it. You're gonna, just going to have to suffer through it as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not many professors, even in a psychology degree, were that that much understanding in terms of students that were having a hard time. Some of them were, but some of them more the, the research-based were, I suffered, you're going to suffer too. Essentially pay your dues, just like exactly. everybody else before you. Yeah, okay. A lot of uh, a lot of different areas actually have that same mindset today. It doesn't even mm-hmm. have to be grad, but it's pretty, pretty broad. You know, it's still out there, which is a shame. You know, not... Not every generation, not every person, you know, deals, you know, can operate with that sort of mentality. Mm-hmm. And I hope really I'm not think about it. Do we really need to suffer to prove a point? I, I, I hope I'm not misquoting, but Suzanne, I think in the video you said it was a rite of passage. Yeah. That and it, that's really where it it comes from. I think a lot of people still have this mentality of, well, I, let, Doc, like you said, I went through it. And in order for you to succeed and be like me, you have to go through it. You know, I'm not going to make it easy because it wasn't easy for me. So here you go. You know, you now it's your turn to suffer. I'm passing the torch of suffering on to you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's interesting to me that, you know, I, I think that a lot of people in the academic space, a lot of the researchers, a lot of the professors have been so focused on one field of study that they're they're experts in that field and they feel like they are experts in a lot of fields and in fact they feel like they're smarter than the general population um which i don't know maybe in some cases but the point is is that they're not social scientists um they're not what they have done what they have experienced is not the best option um but they still have this feeling of like well if there was something better i would know about it just inherently and and the more experienced they are, the more likely they are to kind of fall into that Dunning-Kruger effect of being like, I, I know just enough to know everything about this topic. Um, and I do think there's some general, generational aspect. It seems like the younger generations of, of professors are more open to the idea that mental health is an issue. Um, and hopefully more professors are, are also realizing it's extremely inefficient if, if, one person out of three in your lab is struggling at any one time, like you're losing a lot of productivity if we want to cut it all the way down to that point. Um, so I, I do, I do think that things can change and I hope that this current situation is, is an opportunity for that to happen because I think, um, I've gotten to do some of this stuff in the academic space for a while. And, and the biggest things that people push back on are, you know, that's just not how we do it. This is how we've always done it. And we can't possibly change it. Um, And, you know, a lot of the stuff that I do is online. 
and I'm on this uh, a panel where I was a consultant for a different thing. So I was a consultant for the National Academy of Sciences um, for one of their programs looking at overall student health. And I said, you know, these things need to be available online. Universities need to focus on their online resources because it's much easier to translate online resources into paper versions. You have it, you print it out, or you like adjust slightly, um, and it's much more accessible. People can use a translator, people can get it from their home. And the biggest pushback I got was, well, we can't depend on everyone having internet access. Like we can't focus on that because what if everyone didn't have internet access, which is fair. When mm. the whole COVID thing happened, everyone not only required people to have internet access, but also at a time where they couldn't even go to a library. Uh, yeah. And so I think that some of the situation can be used to the benefit when it's brought back and said, like, you didn't want to do this. It's understandable, but you've made the exceptions for this. It's now time to restructure a lot of other things that you're doing. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, uh, just because... Sometimes, like you mentioned, they're so set in their ways that they're very resistant to anything new. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you have to bring in something new for things to move forward. Mm -hmm. Science is about moving forward. If we're always stuck in the, the now, we're just limiting progress. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, what all of you have done in in this space as well, it's not, when people think about gaming, they're certainly not usually thinking about, oh, there's good places for mental health in there, and there's people who want to support each other's mental health. Um, and I think if something needs to exist, there's ways to, to get it in there. Absolutely. And the fantastic thing is uh, you're seeing it more and more these days. And, and over the last three years, three or four years, uh, you're seeing a lot more support coming up in this space and on these platforms than you did even in that short amount of time. And uh, it's actually incredible. It's one of the things we actually love and kind of pride ourselves on is being able to bring awareness to those organizations as well, because Speaking in this air arena is not every organization is a one-stop shop and it would be kind of naive of us to think so, you know, like come to us and talk to only us. No, yeah. every organization and foundation and group does something truly amazing for people and incredible. And they all specialize in something. And we love being able to promote those organizations and foundations because we know how much of a positive impact they can have. And it's Not better to work together. Exactly. You know, if we work together, we could do so many more incredible things for people and make this space a truly accepting and normalized mental health because it's, going to carry a stigma for a long time and it has for a very long time so if you make this is an area that like you said you wouldn't really think that there's a lot of places for you know accepting mental health and you know issues and conditions but it's one of those where it's growing very quickly and it's fantastic to see cool and I will ramble all night long. No, I mean, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's great. Have, <laughs> sorry, you can interview me next, but, um, <laughs> you know, have you, have you noticed with the recent, uh, 
changes in the world. You know, I think we've been on, at least North Carolina has had it stay at home for almost exactly a month. Um, you know, are you getting a lot more traffic through servers and things like that? Actually, I think Nate's probably the best one to answer that. He does a lot of interactions with people. Mm. Uh, what do you think, Nate? Uh, there's actually been a pretty good uptick in, in actual number of users uh, in, in our server uh, and quite a few others that I've been in that have a Let's Talk type channel. Mm. Um, and even with the users, the, the existing users, it's been very, very rough. And we, we see people that are... Um, that thought they were over some issues they were having that it's now being dredged back up again because they're isolated at home. They're having, you know, just too much time to be in their own head and no one to talk to, no one to go out and socialize with. So it's really compounding on some, some old scars. Mm -hmm. Some people believe that the the quarantine was going to be, Oh, like a vacation. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not, it's, it's a state where what was already there is just going to be amplified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not only do you have the stress of the collective trauma of the pandemic, you're not really eating well. You're not, hopefully you're drinking enough water, sleeps all over the place. You're concerned with finances. Things are very tough for a lot of people. That is mm-hmm. so funny. You brought up not eating healthy because I'd say two months ago when it started to really impact out, you know, socially in stores and this and that with the company I work for, for my day job, our numbers are quadruple of what they usually are this time of year because it's salty snacks. And we actually Mm. pulled a lot of uh, data and statistics from uh, the four largest grocery uh, chains in the country. And there is a massive trend over the last two months of people going away, stepping away from healthy eating, eating and going towards salty snacks, uh, pretzels, cheese whiz, hot pockets and eating all that comfort food that they, you know, were walking away from, you know, eating, you know, vegetables and this and that and watching their carbs and exercising. As soon as they couldn't do that, they're right to the comfort food with that quarantine. And they're going to, you know, I, I, I think it associates with a little bit of that depression that people are getting with being locked up, but also eating not healthily and, mm-hmm not practicing self-care enough yeah i'm telling my kids daily uh, they come up to me and say hey i want a snack and i say go go get a healthy snack mm-hmm. have an apple have a piece of fruit because i have to remind myself to do it otherwise i'll do the same thing be sitting there eating chips and just terrible terrible stuff baby it's baby a care- way for for people to feel better to deal with what's going on in their life yeah. I talk about collective trauma. It, it is. It is a collective trauma. It's something that, one, the human race has never really faced. We have faced pandemics, just not in kind of this scale for yeah. the, these modern times. But humans aren't designed to be quarantined and during a pandemic. No. And the first thing they did... Um, in, in, in the hospitals was they fed everybody. Every day we got 20,000 pizza pies 
brought up to every unit in the hospital. You had um, just food galore. And it was nothing healthy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, It was was unhealthy is cheap. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and it, but it, it, it was everything I personally love, but need to stay away <laughs> from half the time. But it, but it was that reaction. And I, and I think too, right. Food is that comfort, but food is also here. Come sit, come have, come, come eat, come sit down. It was, it was to get people to slow down in a hospital that's going, you know, quicker than it Ed has ever seen before. But they were just initially fatting, fattening us up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were burning calories like that. They had to get you that that stromboli, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be. No, li- uh, you got to say it with a little more of an Italian accent, and then you got it. I, I, <laughs> got it. I promise. Uh, no, but uh, like you know, we could go on for for a while, but I'm really interested to dive into our mental health topic, which is going to kind of tie into uh, what we've been talking about with depression and self-care. So Dr. Goku, you kind of want to dip us into those waters and uh, kick us off? Sure. So like I've been talking today and on numerous occasions in terms of the need for self-care, even more so now given the pandemic, uh, the rates of depressions are skyrocketing due to the pandemic, the social isolation, they're not eating properly. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Susanna, well, why does the risk of suicide or attempts increase during these months? What happens as well is during the winter, um, certainly in the northern countries, people are in a deeper state of depression where the motivation to do something. So the thoughts are there, but the energy to do do something is not really there. Mm -hmm. Come April, May, June, weather's better. Generally start to taper off out of that seasonal depression. The thoughts are still there, but the energy's there. So when we're doing risk evaluations, if someone is in a deep state of depression that has a hard time getting out of bed, a little bit less worried about the person committing suicide. If they're still functioning on a day-to-day basis, but having suicidal ideations on a day-to-day basis, more concerned. Hmm. That makes sense. So I want to kind of throw it out to you in terms of your experiences with depression and how you uh, have been impacted by depression, but what the message you're trying to bring across for people with who are suffering from depression. Cause I know that PhD balance got a rename from mm-hmm. pH depression to PhD mm-hmm. balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You did your homework. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah. So when, when I originally started it, it was called pH depression. Um, and and again, really, all of this came from the fact that I I wish that I had been able to talk with more people about my depression. Um, going back, and if if you do watch that Monty video, uh, I definitely had mental health issues for a very long time, um, and and had some of these suicidal ideations. I remember the first time I, I had that, it was actually a, I was a junior in high school, and it scared the hell out of me, um, and I just thought it was a weird, you know, it's it's, it's sort of like your brain decides to tell you weird things sometimes and you're like, Oh, okay. I don't know why that just came through my head, but all right. Um, 
and had a really hard time in college with um, like more isolation, definitely kind of careless or um, uh, dangerous behaviors, things like that uh, in terms of like drinking and partying and things. Uh, And then I got to grad school and I I kind of had this idea that, okay, I had made it. I graduated college. So like checkbox on whatever I needed to do. Uh, and I was going to feel like I knew what I was doing. I had fin- finally gotten into grad school. And I think some of this goes back to how things are right now for a lot of people that my first couple of years of grad school were okay. I felt pretty I had dealt with the kind of imposter syndrome thing where I felt like I had tricked people into letting me be there. But otherwise, I was doing okay. Um, and I failed this really important exam. Uh, and it it sort of reminded me about all those fears and about that kind of background like noise in my head <laughs> that uh, really was telling me, you know, you shouldn't be here. And you're, you're wasting everyone's time by being here. You're kind of a drain on the system. Why, why would you put other people through your existence? And it was really for me, like dealing with anxiety, eating disorders, but the biggest one was depression. Um, because like you were saying, I, I just, there were so many times where I just couldn't function at all. And it was so painful. And it did get to that point in uh, in May of 2017, where I did start getting that energy again. And it's something that happens every year. And even today, I was actually driving and I was like, why do I want to listen to this music again? I haven't wanted to listen to this forever. I was like, oh, okay. All right. I guess it's almost May, which is the only reason I have any idea what time it is, but or what day. But the depression <laughs> for me is really, that's been going on for me for a very long time. It's something that my family deals with. Um, and is supportive of the different members of my family. Mm. And it's definitely something that when you start looking for it, and when you start knowing what the signs are, you look around academia, and it's just everywhere. So it started PH depression, because I was a PhD student with depression. Uh, The entire point was to just find maybe a couple hundred other people, it would be nice to find, you know, you get a following of 300 people and then you find six of those people who are cool and your friends and you can talk openly and just say, Hey, I'm having a bad day. Uh, and, and that was the point was to just kind of find some other friends that weren't at my school. I didn't have to see them every day and we could be honest of, you know, things suck for no good reason right now. And what happened is that it just exploded. We did all of it's been organic growth. Uh, and people started coming into us and saying, you know, I really want to share my story, but I have anxiety or, um, you know, I, I'm actually a postdoc or things like that. And what we wanted to do is make sure that people didn't feel like they had to have depression or they had to have some sort of clinical diagnosis. Um, And so that's why it switched over. And we've had people talk about, you know, of course, a lot of depression and anxiety, but we've had people talk about PTSD, about uh, postpartum depression. We've had people talk about bipolar and borderline personality disorder and really, really stigmatized topics in a pretty public Mm. place. And what has been fascinating about it is not one, the people who write it generally, they say like, Oh, it was more cathartic than I expected. I didn't have to ever put all that on paper. Um, But the responses we get from people have made all of the effort worth it where um, 
two months into launching that, I got this message from someone who said that they were starting grad school in the fall, but they saw some of themselves in the before parts of stories. And so they had set up when they got to grad school to start seeing a therapist. And like, that's the entire goal is just for people to be like, oh, I'm not failing. And in fact, I just want to be better prepared for what might happen. That's great forward thinking right there. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people are able to do, you know, think that far ahead and plan. Yeah. One thing I say to a lot of my clients is when they hit those roadblocks or they, they fail an exam, they say, I failed. And I help them kind of change the mindset of you did not fail. There were roadblocks and there were issues that led to you not having the desired outcome. You as a person did not fail. There are certain things that, that have happened, but they don't define who you are. And people aren't defined by their mental health. Just because you're in a graduate program doesn't mean that no one deals with any mental health difficulties. A lot of people do. It's not because you're a professional that you don't deal with mental health difficulties. A lot of people do. It's what you do despite those difficulties. So the depression is not something that you can really cure. It, I wish we could It make my job that much easier, but it's something that people need to learn to manage mm. and to not necessarily become friends with, but recognize the moments when it starts to become overbearing, overwhelming, changing perception and kind of fighting it off. Now on that note right there, what are some things that both of you or actually Matt, you and uh, Susan, I pointed at the screen at Dr. Goku. <laughs> you, 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 you over there. That one, that square, that yeah. square. <laughs> I'm sorry, I apologize. <laughs> um, what are, uh, on that note, what are some things people can look for symptoms or signs that they might be af- being afflicted by depression? One thing I see a lot in clients and that I saw a lot in me, me at, in grad school is having a hard time to be motivated to write a paper, mm-hmm. staring at a blank screen for like an hour. So a lack to- of motivation, uh, mm-hmm. maybe fatigue. You know, um, yeah. The motivation, I think, is key too. I, I remember waiting till the last day, the last minute to write. Uh, I, a 10 page paper like the day before it it was due because there was, I had, I had no motivation. I had nothing. I needed the, unfortunately, and this is where I think the depression really was. I needed something to be anxious about. Like I needed that pressure. I needed that, you know, kick to get this paper done. But in turn, it just fed that cycle. And I just felt, I actually, I felt like I was in that trap. And I'm just over and over again, I would, I wouldn't end up feeling good about it. I would end up feeling even worse when mm-hmm. I finished the paper. So there, there's a concept uh, that I like to use called the wall of awful. It was firstly started for people that suffer from ADHD, but it can be applied to a, a variety of things. And the wall of awful is everyone has this wall built with deception and Every deception brick, every failure brick kind of adds on to the layers. Every time you're going to write, say, a paper, you're not just writing this paper. 
you're confronting this entire wall of your past failures. And depression is that negative feedback loop Mm -hmm. that you're always thinking about the things that you have failed or how not good you are. So you're in that negative feedback loop and this wall keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger until you are the night before the papers due and you just burst through the wall and you just end up feeling horrible the next day or you're a week before the papers due and you look at everything that you need to be done and I'm going to go do the dishes avoidance. Look at this laundry. I have to fold Facebook becomes so much more interesting when there's a 12 page paper. Look, uh, looking. (laughs) (laughs) I think the other tried and true uh, symptom of depression is really just that lack of uh, not finding pleasure in the things that you used to. That's a big one. Yeah. Because the, the one thing I remember I had to force myself to play video games at, at points, especially during my own personal depression. Like I couldn't play them and I loved them. And it was actually around the time destiny one came out and, and I, <laughs> I, I loved the game and I wanted to play it. I wanted to raid with friends. I wanted to do it, but picking up that PlayStation controller was impossible because I was just so exhausted. Yeah. So it's the exhaustion, it's a big one. lack of motivation, uh, loss of activities you derive pleasure from mm. changing sleeping patterns irritability uh, there's a variety of things that happen with depression and it's not something that happens all of a sudden kind of gradually instills itself yeah yeah that's yeah. that's really the part that has has continued to be a difficult thing for me because I mean, along the way, it's not as though I had a hard time and then started PhD balance and then suddenly was like good at this stuff at all. Um, and it was about six months after I had started PhD balance. So it was August of 2018. Um, and I was kind of having a hard time. I didn't really feel like I was, but I was definitely like drinking a lot more and um, was really stressed out, but was sort of like, you know, it, it happened so gradually. Again, it was just like, well, it, it, sometimes, you know, I'll have a drink or occasionally during the week. And then it was like, oh, every night. And um, and it was really because of that, because I didn't want to face the fact that I was feeling depressed. It was a lot easier to just totally check out and be like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't, I'm just like, we're fine. I'm just having a drink. We don't need to think about how we're feeling. Um, and I eventually, um, so I have a therapist, I have a psychologist that I have seen for a long time now, uh, but talked to her and she referred me to a psychiatrist. I was already taking um, an antidepressant called Zoloft or Sertraline. And I was like, I'm, I'm fine. I don't really want to add more things. I've, I'm already doing therapy sessions. Like I already know how I'm supposed to act. I'm just kind of broken. Like, let's just, this is better than it could be. Let's just keep going. Um, And luckily I went in and this psychiatrist asked like what my normal point was, you know, what is, what would normal look like for you? What would you, what would it look like if you were doing well? And I was like, I have no idea. I have no idea what my middle point is because I've not had that. And so I think a lot of times people will say, people will ask other people, well, you know, what's changed? How are you doing 
today or this week? Like, have you noticed that you're getting more tired or, or things like that? And I think a lot of times we look a week, two weeks, three weeks backwards and say, you know, it's not that different, but how different is it from three months ago or six months ago? Um, that yeah, it, it comes on so slowly usually that you can't really notice that anything's changing until you look back a long ways and you're like, I think I actually used to enjoy playing video games without having to think about it. Where, Mm -hmm. where did that come into play? Mm -hmm. It's like changing, uh, the color saturation on your monitor or your TV Mm -hmm. at first do in like one, uh, increments, nothing's really changing. Mm -hmm. But the more you change it, the more you can see how the image starts to fade. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing that, just changing it one increment and then two days from now, changing it again, two days later, changing it again, the brain tends to adapt and we don't notice how we're feeling until we really look back to a point of reference. It's the uh, frog in the boiling pot example. I don't know if you ever heard that example. I'm actually going to say, I'm like, you came up with this colorful, nice way of explaining it. I'm going, it's a frog in a pot, man. Yeah. (laughs) You say frog in a pot, and I'm thinking of like the wizard and the hopping pot. So that's a Harry Potter reference. (laughs) If you have a boiling pot of water, and you put the frog in, it's a very macabre uh, example. No. You, you put the frog in and he'll <laughs> skip right out because it's a big temperature change. Mm-hmm. It's the, oh my God, I got to get the hell out of here. If you put the pot that's lukewarm and you put the frog in and you crank the heat, the frog won't leave because hmm. we tend to adjust until mm. it's kind of too late. But one thing that we were talking <clears throat> about with the self-care is having that consistency of something to do mm. to kind of circulate back to uh, to the gaming aspect. And I know we had a almost an entire episode when anxiety was on, but Animal Crossing. People are loving Animal Crossing just because it's that consistent dopamine hit of achieving things continuously yes. and having something to look forward to every single day. Yes, it's a very rewarding game, but this is the third podcast that we've recorded <laughs> that you've mentioned Animal Crossing. Hey, if it works, it works. Tom Nook's got him on the hook. Yeah. But Tom, you know Tom what? Nook is sponsoring us now, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got to return his email. Um, <laughs> I love how gaming can be a form of self-care in itself that it allows that temporary, uh, you know, escape. It's only temporary, you know, you, you can't live there. I mean, you know, but to have a game that you play that is that rewarding, a huge positive impact on your, your, your own well-being. One thing I've noticed with a lot of my, my graduate students and a lot of my colleagues is grad students love lists. They love to make to-do lists in terms of mm-hmm. I have all of these things to do because it's always growing. So you're going to, one thing I, I say, it's to make a manageable list, not keeping that, that one big list with you. But what happens as well is every time you check one thing off, you feel good about yourself. So there's a concept called gamification. Uh, the app super better is phenomenal for that, where 
you're creating this to-do list, these things that you want to accomplish in your day, but it's giving you experience points and leveling up mm. and you're gaining new skills for things that you do in your day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. So it's giving you that source of dopamine hit, that sense of satisfaction of accomplishing something where writing a page or two of a 10 page paper is just, eh, I, I worked on a paper. It's still not done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I had to totally. So when I was writing my dissertation, one of the nice things I suppose of, of timing on things is that I was pretty much already, I was already working remotely. I was already working in almost complete isolation because I was writing up my dissertation in January and February. So I didn't have that same transition that a lot of other people sort of crash landed into. Um, and what I ended up doing is instead of doing the checkboxes of like, did I get a task done? I just did checkboxes of, did I do like 30 minutes of that task? Because that was the problem. I, I, I might work for three hours and get two paragraphs done, or I might work for three hours and get an entire chapter like squared away. Um, and it's, it is, it's really hard. I think that our standards, especially now for ourselves need to be lowered because the going from that place where I was working from home, I was working on something very difficult and then COVID happened and everyone became isolated. That also allowed me to see like, this is not working from home. This is not, it was, it was bad before. It's not fun to work from home generally. And it's not fun to finish up a PhD. No one loves writing their dissertation that I've heard of. Um, no. But this is, this is totally different. Yes, everyone's home, but you don't have that same support network. You don't have a lot of those outlets. Uh, you don't have that same feeling of someone is going to, to be there if I really need them. Um, and I think that there are still a lot of ways that people can be there for each other. And I think that there's still um, a lot of options that we might not be considering when we're in a really bad place of who can I reach out to for help. Um, but I think, you know, I honestly every day now put shower on my to-do list because sometimes it's hard to shower. And so I get points for that. <laughs> mm -hmm. I highly recommend to for everyone to at least look into the, the app yeah super better is or even uh, there's another one called habitica that's really good that yeah. one's a little bit different it, it used to be called habit rpg it's more of, of the rpg you can build a clan and mm -hmm. you're working with other real people that have joined this clan and the more things you do on your list the more you're contributing to the clan and the less things you do on your list the more you're kind of having an impact on the client. Yeah. Super better is kind of just for you, but it's to keep that motivation going. I like uh, the fog of my uh, right now. It's a game from uh, friends of ours at a studio, uh, six wing studio, who has created a mobile game that focuses on uh, your own well being and self care and meditation. So you play with a little avatar, but it does guided meditations for you and, measures out five to 10 minute gaming increments to make it not a in-depth game, but something that you could go to for a short period of time, get something positive out of it, calm yourself a little bit, maybe ground yourself and move on, you know, with the rest of your day. It's a great little tool that I've been using personally. Since right now, 
It is great. We, we need to change perception in terms of the expectations that we had of ourselves prior to the pandemic to expectations of ourselves now during a pandemic. Right now we're trying to survive. Mm-hmm. We're weathering a storm. It's normal that you're not going to be as productive or you're not going to be able to accomplish everything. You're trying to do two, three, sometimes four different jobs. So over people that are trying to work from home while having kids, even kids that are in school, that's you're wrapping up a whole bunch of jobs all into one. So it's normal that you may not work the entire eight hours of your work day or be as productive. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I, I mean, go okay. ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, I, I think that's really the biggest piece is that like success in this time means getting through it. You know, the, the people who are successful are the ones yes. who are here in a year, here in two years, you know, that, and you have to keep yourself safe in whatever way that means of, of being safe. And that's what success really looks like. I love it. I love it. I think we could actually stay on this topic all night long. (laughs) We could (laughs) easily. Oh yeah. Is there, we tend to ramble. (laughs) Yes, we do. Just before we move on, what are some uh, suggestions for somebody being affected by depression that you could give them that might be listening or, you know, watching our, you know, live stream right now that might help them along the way if they're caught in this situation. Yeah. Um, a couple of things. One is, you know, that question of, of when to, when to get help or what signs to look for. Um, if you think that there might be something going on, that's the right time to go and, and check in. Like I've, I've never met somebody who says, I think there might be something going on. And it turned out there was nothing going on at the very least. You're not wasting anyone's time. Um, you know, talk to a professional, call your doctor's office, check through, there's a ton of teletherapy things. Um, the other piece is that it's really, really, really hard. And this is one of the defining factors uh, for someone who's dealing with depression is it's very hard to do problem solving. Um, and it's very hard to think creatively. And the reason I bring this up is that you might look at the situation and say, there is no other option, uh, whatever the situation is, even if it's just like, I have to go to the grocery store today, there is no other option than me going to the grocery store. And I'm panicked right now, but I have to do this thing because I see no other alternative. Um, You might not be thinking the way or at the level you normally would. uh, And this goes doubly for taking care of yourself. So you might look at it and say, you know, I can't call my mom and I can't call my friend and I can't go to this meeting that I always go to. And so I have no other resources. Um, And I would just challenge people to try to give other people the chance to help you. Um, There's a lot of times where I don't exactly know what I need. Um, I'm very lucky right now to have a partner and and he's fantastic. And so he can usually kind of clue me into that, the fact that I'm not doing well. Uh, But there's a ton of times where he'll say, you know, are you doing okay? And I'll say, yeah, I'm fine. And he's like, really? And I'm like, I don't know. And he'll say, what, what can I do to help? And I'll say, I have no idea. I, my brain, I, I don't know. I don't know what you can do. Um, but it, 
it truly, he enjoys supporting me and there's other people in my life who do. So all that's to say, let other people support you because you might not be at your best, but they want to be there for you. Um, and, and to trust them that they're going to do whatever they think will, will help you. Um, even if you don't know what that is. Being okay with letting people in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a tough one. And just to piggyback on what you were saying, Susanna, it, there's no wrong time to seek help. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be this this sick to seek help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have people that do not suffer from a clinical diagnosis that mm-hmm. are just struggling mm-hmm. with certain things. Mm-hmm. And they need an outside perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, one of the most terrified times that I've had to go to a doctor was, was for the nutritionist that I saw because I was most, I was most afraid that I was going to go in there and she was going to say, you're fine. It's just, you know, it's, it's hard to figure this stuff out. And that's not what she did. Even if that was the case, that's not what she would have done. They're, they're trained to be empathetic people, which Mm. people in academia are not used to dealing with highly empathetic people or people who know how to deal with that. Yeah, you shouldn't have an experience when you go into uh, a trained professional in mental health spaces that they're going to make you feel bad for seeking help. At the very worst, what you're doing is you're going from okay or or not great to a better place. And and maybe you you need the help more than you realize it. But um, there's, there's only really benefits to getting help no matter what stage you're at. There's been so many times where someone came to see me for this one small thing because they're saying, oh, people are, are telling me I need to go seek help for this small thing. And three sessions down, down the line, this small thing is still there. We're still going to work on it, but we're on to something completely foreign that they weren't aware of. Mm-hmm. That's probably fueling. That's fueling that small thing, probably. Yeah. A lot of time people look at the behavior. They don't look at the emotion and the Mm. thoughts behind the behavior. And I guess there's one other thing I want to bring up because this is like something that my therapist constantly reminds me of. But just because you talk about something, just because you like go to get help for something, doesn't mean you have to do it. Um, And that might sound a little bit backwards, but I think sometimes when I've been afraid to go get help, it's because I'm not really ready to give up that coping mechanism. I'm not really ready to face everything and just throw my life upside down and become a perfect person. Um, you can, it, you can explore these things. You can work with somebody to help identify them. They are not going to tell you you're doing a bad job with your life and that you need to stop everything and, and be a completely different person. Um, you you do have the choices when you start getting help. You do have the choices of of what you do from there on, uh, and and they're there to to support you in whatever that ends up being. It's very true. Yeah, I think we're the not other- there to tell you, push you to do certain things. We're there to say, here are the options. These things could help. Let's try this. Didn't work. All right. Let's try this. There's no. And this is something I say to a lot of my clients is you can't fail in therapy. There are only times where we can learn more information from the things that happen in therapy. Mm. You don't fail the homework. We just learn something more. Mm-hmm. 
have had so many clients come into or afraid of coming to the next session because they didn't do the homework. They didn't do the homework. Toss that aside. And what happened that you didn't do the homework? What was the challenge? And it leads to another line of questioning. Matt, you were going to say something? No, I I think the other thing too, um, as a way to help if you are feeling any type of symptoms uh, of depression is to focus more on that aspect of self-care. Because I think like we were talking about before, we end up in that in that negative feedback loop, you know, and I think by practicing aspects of self-care, um, you start to break that habit. Um, actually, prior to COVID, I was a substance abuse counselor and I used to give in an inpatient rehab, I used to give all of them in a big group setting, a self-care assessment. And I, I'd have all of them fill this out. What were you doing? What? And I would, I would tell them, go from today and what do you need to work on? And I'd actually be right there with them and I would do it with them. And you'd be amazed how, and I'm looking at, I'm actually looking at the one that I give out to them on my computer <laughs> now. And they all, you know, unfortunately it's like ones and twos where they weren't eating healthy. They weren't exercising. They weren't doing anything to better themselves or take care of themselves. And you know, and I tell them, like, don't feel bad about yourselves, but we know what we have to work on. We know what has to get better as we move forward in their case in recovery. But in this in, in, in our in what we're talking about here, what we knew what we need to do to make ourselves just feel a little bit better. Yeah, yeah I have the rule that like what I what I treat my dogs this way, which is like that's baseline. Mm. Like baseline <laughs> for me is just, you know, my dogs eat twice a day. Like I need to eat a meal twice a day. Um, snacks are fine, but I have to eat a meal twice a day. And like, would I tell my, like my dogs have to move otherwise they get antsy. And would I, would I keep my dog up for hours and hours on end just to stress over something? No, of course not. I would, I would want them to go to sleep. The way if I just treated myself as well as I treat my dogs and they're not even like extremely spoiled dogs, um, at all, but like I wouldn't deprive them of sleep or of food or of being happy. I wouldn't see them being happy and be like, you should be upset right now. So that's, that's sort of like where I try to keep my baseline. I use dogs as, as a really good example. A lot with clients is because dogs can teach us a lot about mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Dogs are in the moment. They, they're hungry. They'll eat. If they're thirsty. They'll drink. They want to use the bathroom. They will. If they're there with you and happy, they're thinking about being happy with you right there. They're not thinking of, oh, what I have to do tomorrow or the things uh, that are going to come up in a week. They're just there in the moment. And we can kind of learn from them in terms of I'm there. I am here in the moment. But really, I'm two hours from now, two days from now, concerned about something that's going to happen. So my anxiety is thinking about what's going to happen in the future. Depression is thinking about what's happened in the past. Mm-hmm. There's a comedian that I listened to that had a joke about that, about talking about his dogs and the same thing. You put a piece of chicken in front of them and they're like, chicken! And that's all they care about is that chicken in front of them. And then you take that away and you put a ball in front of them and it's like, oh my God, there's a ball! And they're just so excited about what's happening right there. They don't care about anything else except for that thing in front of them. We need to kind of go back there. 
Yeah. Hmm. I'm sorry. I'm like literally typing myself the note of what you just said. Of anxiety is <laughs> that's about awesome. The future and depression is thinking about the past. I was it's like, a good, good line. That's a difference. You just yeah. found the difference. Cool. Mm-hmm. And that's, mindfulness is that small little sliver right there in the middle. <laughs> yeah. That's what those grounding exercises are great for is mm-hmm. getting you back to what's happening right now instead of worrying about everything else. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. seen this thing now where people are using, I guess, lemons to help when they when they have an uh, having an anxiety attack you bite into a lemon and it helps bring you back into the moment because of the incredibly sour taste i've used i've used ice cubes but lemons also work as well unless you really like lemons (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah well the ice cubes without going to on a a tangent because i tend to go on tangents um there's a, a concept called the dive Techniques yes. from the DBT tip scales, uh, which is uh, using the mammalian diving reflex when we submerge our face into cold, okay. frigid water. It has a biological response within us, so it slows down the heart rate. It brings all of our core systems uh, as a priority. Hang on. It's a way to kind of snap out of a thing. Yeah. It sucks because you're plunging your face in frigid water and holding your breath for 30 seconds, <laughs> but it works. Yes. I I wasn't able to do that on an inpatient substance abuse rehab unit, so I had to do ice cubes. <laughs> <laughs> I caught it with two cans of Pepsi. You were able there to you waterboard go. your patients? Okay. Yeah, no. Uh, the, hospital, <laughs> the hospital frowns upon that a little bit. Um, but no, it, it, exactly that. It, it brings it slows everything down and allows you to refocus. It's, it's an amazing thing. And it's actually an amazing thing to witness in person too. What that, that instant brought back into the moment. It's yeah. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen people kind of spiraling. Yes. And uh, just because my office is right next to the kitchenette uh, when I actually am in my office. So I just go get two cans of soda from the fridge. All right. Put these on your face. Mm-hmm. Hold your breath, and you just see everything start to slow down. It's amazing. So you don't necessarily need to waterboard yourself. You could <laughs> grab an ice pack and put it on your face. Yeah, an ice pack works. Uh, and hold I your breath. Say to people to <laughs> put uh, some water in a Ziploc bag and duct tape the the seal of the bag, and put it in your fridge. You want to be if you want to be malleable. I'm going to fly up to your house (laughs) right on top of your your eyes, around your nose, and on your cheekbones. If you want to be boring, you can just use the ice cubes. If you want to have fun, just (laughs) dive your head right in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) On that note, (laughs) sorry. We'll move on. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) That was great. Just. Stuff Daddy had a good point. Don't duct tape the bag to your head. <laughs> no, that'd be very bad. Because that'll be, you know, the end result will not be good. Um, but no, look at the marking on the bag. It doesn't. It says don't put it over your head. But no, uh, thank you so much, uh, everybody, for going into that conversation and touching on that those topics right there. Uh, that was fantastic and really love the fact that everybody contributed to this, this topic tonight. And uh, I couldn't have asked for a better one. I mean, we could literally keep going and I would absolutely love every second of it, but I do want to jump into uh, a bit of a lighter to 
toss things up a little bit of gaming news because our podcast is a fusion between mental health and gaming. So uh, we're going to toss this in and actually you're going to have Nate take us into uh, some gaming news. What's going on, Nate? Righty. Well, apparently PAX West is still planned to go on September. Yes. Yes. They are one of the few conventions for this uh, North America that are still holding firm to their, uh, their schedule, which is quite interesting. And I think that's going to be in Seattle. They are very hopeful. So many others have canceled. No, it's going to be in Seattle too, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. PAX West is in Seattle. Mm-hmm. We will be at PAX Unplugged in November in Philly. So we'll be, I'll be actually. There. So will we. <laughs> You're going to be in the same room with us helping one of our, <laughs> our friend organizations. Yes. Uh, no, that's great. Um, but no, yeah, there it's, um, you know what? I fingers crossed by summertime. I hope things kind of, you know, digress and go back to, just uh, a normal schedule for everybody, but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Everything's kind of up in the up in the air right now, and uh, mm. very hopeful for that. Is it a good thing that they're well? You know, Pax may still ha- Pax West may still happen. I mean, it's I'm guessing it's going to happen with many modifications and yeah. adjustments. I will say we were at Pax uh, East in Boston right when COVID was hitting. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really ramping up. New York City was like half shut down by that time. But the PAX convention crew were so fantastic. Yeah. They literally sanitized and were on top of everything. If there was a surface, it was wiped down either constantly or within like 10 minutes Mm -hmm. every 10 minutes they had somebody stationed either at the top or bottom of an escalator just cleaning the belt and then another person would go up the stairs and back down cleaning the rails door handles windows you know any surface that somebody would touch they were cleaning it you know and they were on top of it and they spaced the booths out a little bit further from each other than they traditionally do and it you know what? No, nothing really came out of that convention. They did such a great job with it. So they're very conscious and very health conscious. So if they don't think that they can handle the venue and everything and keep everybody safe and healthy, I guarantee they'll, they'll cancel when it gets closer to it. But mm. it's too hard to tell right now at this point where we're, we're at the end of April, we're jumping into May. We saw June, July, and August. And right. we'll yeah. see what happens in the next 90 days, you know. You never know, but yep. look at the last 90 days and see how much happened. You know, it could, the pendulum could very easily swing the other way. Right. Yeah. We're definitely thinking about this in terms of the here and now. Would you hold a convention? No. I mean, Comic-Con is closing for the first time in how many years? San Diego, San Diego as well. Yeah. Done. yeah. Yeah. Look at the, the national spelling bee even that hasn't closed down in decades. So is that gaming? That's well, I, I mean, it's educational gaming. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if you follow most gamers, uh, you know, spelling is not their strongest suit. <laughs> That's a dig to me. That... <laughs> See, I thought it was to me because I think I have the most edited Discord messages ever. <laughs> oh, no. Well, you might you might take away the award for most Discord. I have the award for most Twitter. Okay. Because you can't edit Twitter ones. No. And Nate, within five minutes, is pinging me going... <laughs> 
Joe. <laughs> <laughs> we need to talk, brother. Um, Jen, and then now we've got a whole, it's just got to stay there. And that's yep. my anxiety. No, um, <laughs> no, but we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, what else is going on? Uh, we, we have, uh, I'm going to flip the, flip the order here. We have the destiny two guardian games just went live. The, the yes. yes, that's, uh, the one of the seasonal contents for season 10 team warlock. You guys are fools. No, uh, <laughs> if you didn't know, Susanna, uh, we are very avid destiny, you know, Bungie studio, uh, destiny Two players. Uh, so we're very, we love the community. We came from the Destiny community. We grew out of it. Uh, the founders, we all used to raid together in the first game, and we just keep playing. Uh, a lot of the key art and everything, like concept art on the wall behind me, is actually Destiny art. Um, uh, this this thing is essentially the Olympics for this video game. So it's a mix-up between uh, player versus player, uh, PVE, all sorts of different things. And the fun part is they're actually pitting the three different classes that you can choose from against each other to see which class is the best. So there's Warlocks, Hunters, and Titans. And right now, the Titans are winning, I believe. That's because so I haven't win? played yet. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Two, two. <laughs> two and a half weeks to go here. Yep. Every day, uh, they it's like you can see a live meter of uh, banners going up and down for how many medals are turned in and everything from everybody who's contributing to these games. And uh, the Titans are winning, but at the end of every day, it caps that, and they win that day. And at the end of the two weeks, they uh, announce the winner, winning class for the year, and that class, so if you play a Warlock, for example, you will get a special emblem and like mark for your character that will carry for the entire year until next year, saying like you were the best <laughs> class of 2020. So there's a lot of bragging rights with it, and there's so many funny things going on social media right now with people just crying like, no, oh, what is happening? But it's a lot of fun, and uh, Bungie does have fun with some of their seasonal content that they bring mm. out, and they really try and bring that social, you know, in-game interaction to its best because it really encourages people to play with other people. Mm -hmm. So it's it's fantastic to see. And Bill the Conqueror, uh, he's a Titan, and one of the running jokes is that Titans are silly and they like to eat crayons. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's a running meme. Yeah, I'm sorry I told you <laughs> oh. that. Edit number 15. No. Nope. Um, Days in. <laughs> <laughs> no. But is everybody enjoying it so far? Are you guys, have you guys I all just in? jumped in tonight to check it out? I'm not, the method, be, the way they're doing it is kind of, it's, it's all bounty based. And right. Yeah. I went up and I went in and I filled up my bounties on stuff. Bought, got a whole bunch of those bounties and and I was like crap I have no room to get other bounties for other stuff that I'm working on like I still have um those the Seraph stuff I gotta finish and I I gotta I gotta do all the rest of the stuff before I can go get bounties for that so it it, it could use a little bit of work around but I liked it after let's see when, when did Destiny 1 come out like six years ago something like 2014? that 2014 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. after after six years, they're finally settling the which class is the best debate because that's been a long, <laughs> it will long standing argument. Oh. It'll always be something. It's, it's a lot of pride in in people. It's a lot characters. of fan service, which I really like. That's, yeah. that's, that's yeah. something that I like. Is they're like, hey, what? You guys argue about this anyways. Let's settle it for a year. And, and they're feeding into the memes. I like that. Yeah. I, I, oh, I, yeah. I, I like when a I like when a company becomes self aware. <laughs> <laughs> I like to have fun. You know, yeah. they're having fun too. I'm seeing some of the developers themselves, like even contributing to their favorite class. Like, let's go, Team Titans, and they're going through mm-hmm. and you know they're uh, taking screenshots of their character doing stuff. So it's it's been it's been fun to watch for this past week. But I think it was a missed opportunity to bring back. There was a. Uh, in D1, there was a very favorite game mode that players absolutely loved that was like a racing aspect, and it was called Sparrow Racing League. Mm-hmm. And I think this was a really missed opportunity to bring that back. Even for two weeks, I think it would have been enough to just reignite that interest and like just really give people something to cool their jets over because they've been begging for it for going on three years now to come back and nobody, it hasn't come back yet. So I think it was a missed opportunity right there, but uh, anybody, anything else on destiny too? I would do. We're going to talk all night about it. I know we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I flipped it. Let's get to the last thing. A hundred thousand nintendo accounts are at risk due to hacking yes it'll leak yep uh actually i think it's up to one hundred sixty thousand now yeah so do you have any more information on that like that that's a huge huge thing it's a big number i had it pulled up but let me get it up. i i think it's amazing that something like that even happened to nintendo a company who's usually has such a stellar reputation repu- reputation for taking care of their people has all that many accounts hacked i mean but nintendo's not really known for their online no, no. this is true they're they're not known for online gaming or mm mmo gaming or anything like that but they usually try to take care of their fan base because if it wasn't for their fan base nintendo would have gone under a long time ago so this is an article from our friend over at Forbes, uh, Paul Tassi, or Tassi. Uh, he wrote an article saying that Nintendo has been digging into a large, rather large data breach that has happened on the Nintendo network ID accounts. Um, mm-hmm. The type you use to log in to switch your switches and other devices, uh, they come back. They have come back with some rather eye-popping results. The, the 160,000s may have ha- may have received unauthorized logins during this breach. And this will actually uh, put at risk your credit card information, your birthdays, your location, your emails, and other sensitive materials and information. So if yeah. you do have one, if you have a Nintendo Switch, change your password. Mm-hmm. Just, yep. Mm-hmm. Change your password. It's it's a good idea to change change your password every you know ninety days, anyways. You yeah, know, Google Chrome, uh, and I just found this out. It's probably an old feature, but I just found it. They let you they create a password for you, and they just store it. And that's it's a whole, fairly new password. Is it? I mean, okay. new feature. It used okay. to be that it would just store the passwords, but it's a fairly new one where it'll suggest it, 
and then remember that password. Right, and it's like have, it's completely random. All characters. Yeah. yeah. It's like have you ever looked at that chain. password? That thing's like fifteen characters. Like it is like. Oh, hey. what's your password? <laughs> That's <yeah. laughs> I'll never remember. I got to go home and log in on my computer to get in there. That's <laughs> true. But using password managers are a very good alternative. Like uh, one password, uh, last yeah. pass. Uh, I think there's another one going around as well. There's also but, a lot of good two-factor authentic- authentication yeah. applications out there where you can create it has a randomly generated code that cycles every 60 seconds or something mm-hmm. like that. Yes, I use that quite often myself. Uh, yeah, is that something that you can put onto your devices, like yes, uh, a Nintendo actually, Switch and stuff like that? I, I well, I don't know about Nintendo Switch. I know Google has a Google Authenticator that will work with whatever. Yeah. application has to factor authentication authentication they'll I use go oh. ahead here's what i found on the web really <laughs> what, did we, what did we find is that your alexa no that was my phone hearing me talk to it <laughs> that is awesome i'm sorry uh, uh no yeah is listening google is always listening <laughs> <laughs> that was precious i love that all right <laughs> Uh, does anybody else have anything else for gaming news? No, I think they've been rather slow lately. Yeah, it has been kind of quiet. But why haven't they dropped the new like major consoles? When, like, why would they not do that right now? It's a there's good no question. Way to go to the stores. I think it's distribution. Yeah, yeah. they have no way to get it out. Really, if you didn't buy it online and have it delivered to your house, I mean, yeah, there's no way to do a big release or anything like that. Yeah. They're still on track for holiday of this right. year. But I, I just got an email today from uh, Canada Post yeah. saying that packages may take longer to be delivered because we're experiencing holiday numbers of, I've heard uh, that. of packages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, one of my, one <laughs> of my coworkers knows someone who works in the postal office, and that's what they're saying is it's like Christmas every single day right now. That's scary. Everything's being shipped. Yep. Amazon, I was going to order some stuff through Amazon, and they were looking to ship out like four weeks. Yeah, into May. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Now, so. I, I work in aerospace, and one of the big things, like people have come to me, I'm like, why do they deem you essential? Nobody's flying planes. And I go, how do you think your freight gets around? Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> want that new headset, don't you? Right. Uh, you ordered, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That you know, special, you know, teal spatula you just ordered. That's that's how it's gonna get there. I feel personally attacked here. <laughs> Deal one. I just bought it last week. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. I love it. I think it's the best thing in the world. It's silicone. It's great. Soft handle. Said uh, consoles that they typically release them around the holidays. That's just the numbers have always said that that vets out the best for profitability. Yeah. yeah, it's a big shopping time of year. So right after Thanksgiving and you get into the first week of December, you drop a new console, your sales are going to be through the roof. And especially when they've been hyping it up for several years. I mean, uh, I think we did have something like the PlayStation 5 uh, has just released more of its specs mm-hmm. on its actual system, which essentially these things are more powerful than my beast of a PC, gaming PC now just contained into a console and i i curious what the price tag is going to be on them 
And I'm curious to see what the final like graphics are going to look like. Um, it's going to be I'm interesting still... to see what's going to happen with the financial repercussions of everything. Yeah. Oh, yes. from all How this and going into consoles. Yeah. yeah, you got a good point. I know there is a, and it's when we were talking about Nintendo Switch, there is actually a a shortage of Nintendo Switches in North America. Uh, uh, they're sold out everywhere. everywhere. Absolutely. Everywhere, online to Walmart's, you name it, Targets, everybody, every online retailer, not all. A few Some of them are actually, price gouging. A few Everyone of them wants deemed, to play Animal Crossing. Yeah, and a few of them deemed the Nintendo Switch an, an essential item. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. Yeah, stores actually wrote um, uh, under their list of essential items what was sold out. I think it, I want to say it was Walmart. They had Nintendo Switch, they were sold out as an essential item. Wow. And yeah. I actually do blame, not blame, but I do give it to Animal Crossing for doing that, actually. <laughs> not to hey. talk about Animal Crossing again. I'm sorry. It's too late. It was already <laughs> mentioned once. <laughs> no, but awesome. No, uh, yeah, well, uh, we're in an hour and 30 minutes now. I think that's a good time right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that that's about it for us for up. tonight. Yeah. Um, while we wrap up, does anybody have any uh, closing remarks they want to make or anything like that before we start closing things out? The only thing I can say is to, for everyone to keep safe, stay healthy, and mental health is physical health, so make sure that you're staying mentally healthy as well. Get that sunlight. Get that sunlight. Get, get the sunlight and vitamin D. <laughs> Took the words out of my mouth. Not the sunlight thing, but everything. (laughs) Awesome. And Suzanne, thank you so much for coming on with us and hanging out and chatting with us. It's been such a blast and such a great conversation. Um, Why don't you uh, tell us where uh, people can find, you know, you on socials and more from uh, PhD balance. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on. This is really fun. It's uh Nerds are nerds, so it's <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really matter what, what corners you're in, if it's academic research or if it's gaming. It's like people love the stuff they do, and, and it's a great way to connect. Um, yeah, this has been really fun. Uh, you can find me. I stay on Twitter and Instagram mostly. Uh, that's at Susanna, S-U-S-A-N-N-A, the letter L, Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S. Um, but more importantly, PhD balance where you can see, I mean, we post two or three stories, personal stories every week of academics, normally grad students dealing with, uh, different issues from mental health stuff to imposter syndrome, to advisor relationships, a bunch of things that you don't normally hear talked about, uh, as well as some tips and things that's either PhD balance dot com so that's our website or you can find us on instagram and twitter at phd underscore balance awesome fantastic and we're guardians mh uh podcast you can find us uh anywhere you get your podcasts on all your favorite podcast apps and sources you can also visit our website uh it's guardiansmh.org we also have a great discord server where you can get in contact with mental health professionals and ask them questions, get guided to uh, proper resources and a fantastic 
and very strong peer support network there too. And we have a ton of resources there and on our website. You can find a link to that Discord on our website or uh, pinned to our Twitter account. And our Twitter is GuardiansMH as well. And it has been a blast chatting with everybody. Um, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll catch you next time. Have a great Bye, night, everyone. everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.